Welcome to episode 20 of Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. Jess. It's 20? It is 20. And, Holy uh, crap. I'm very excited about this episode because a lot of things are going to come full circle in this one. Uh, but before we get into it, um, you just saw something last night. Yeah, I saw Black Panther. I think Black Panther, it, it it's like falls in line with like the Marvel origin movies. That's what it's yeah. for, basically. Um, I really liked it. It's, like, big and colorful, and it's, like, hokey, but it's funny. Um, <clears throat> everyone looks awesome. Everyone's, like, on point. Um, I, I really like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> He's great. Everyone's, like, I don't know. You have to see it. It's very much, like, a Marvel movie. Yeah. It's, like, big and, uh, very CGI and whatever. Yeah. Seems like a spectacle. It's a Marvel movie. That's all I want yeah. to say for people who want to see it. Like, if you're into those movies, then you'll love it. Um, I really liked it. I thought it looked cool. The cast is awesome. It's got that girl from Black Mirror that, like, um, you didn't watch it? I saw the, I've watched two episodes and I was like, this the is great. The whole thing? Hey. Of the whole thing? It's a really, dep- it's a hard watch show to I watch. I know. That's why I love it so much. Hmm. I love it. Hey, I like I like hard to watch, but it's hard to make to work up the motivation. How many times have you seen Requiem for a Dream? I I don't know, maybe three times total in my entire life. In your entire life, right? Because you don't go, you're not like man. I just feel like kicking back and watching a movie about you know. So same thing with Black Mirror, where it's like I liked it a lot. I'm yeah. just like it's it's that whole. Oh man, am I gonna do this to myself? It's like. You know, I don't know. Game of Thrones kind of reminds me of that, like that too, where it's like for a long time I felt like I was getting like re- like habitually abused on Sundays, <laughs> and then you know, and then coming back for more and being like, no, yeah. you don't understand the show like I do. All right, it's just he was the show was just having a bad day. It's just really bad. Um, but um, no, I, I Black Panther does look good. I just I'm again burnt out. Like I'm. I know, and I can see how. Especially if you pay attention to the Marvel Universe, how grandiose it is and big, and there's never-ending movies, and it will never stop. I think we'll die before it stops. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of excited for the new Avengers movie, but yeah, it's like, can't okay. can't there just be like one movie a year, not like four or five? And like, I, I just, I'm sad that Black Panther is kind of getting lost in that shuffle. It's doing I mean, well. It did like yeah. twenty five million on its opening day. Didn't sure, it? like, yeah, it's a lot. It's gonna do well, but I think for those of us who are suffering from like you overload. know overload and fatigue, it's like you know it's like such an important piece. Ex- that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, it, it deserves way more of um its and, own yeah thing. Than it does, but I I really liked it. I think people should go see it. It's a good family movie too. Mm-hmm. Like a ton of people like brought their kids to go see it. Uh, you to know? a comic book movie? Don't you don't say. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> there's not many of those, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I saw um, I Tanya. Oh yeah. Did we talk about I Tanya? We I don't remember if we did. I liked it. I did too. And the funny it's thing is, is like sad. Yeah, and it's also it's, really funny. It's no, it's really funny, but you're also like, this is fucked up. <laughs> well, it's funny because I remember, um, it, it brought me back to that time period. Like, yeah. I remembered watching the Olympics during the whole Tanya Hardy. I mean, like, yeah, her crying, her breakdown, skating. I remember that. Here's the thing is that, like, I was always like a Tanya Harding person. Like, yeah, I was like Team Tanya. Be- exactly. Crying and- ass bitch. Well, that's the thing. So it's like, <laughs> one, I mean, like, granted, I was a teenager. So this, like, when I say this, I know it's going to sound shallow, but. I thought Tanya Harding was hot, so I was like, oh, that already... Is that what it was? No, no, but it was also this. This, I don't... You know, like, the shallow Triple part... Triple Axel. The, no, the show... Yeah, exactly, right? The show, I didn't know anything about ice skating. I was just like, well, she's cute, and she looks relatable, you know? But, um... So that was the shallow part. The part that I do not feel any remorse for, and I still feel the same way as I did then, was what really turned me off on Nancy Kerrigan was the whole, like... Why? I know. <laughs> She's holding her. Because whenever <laughs> like, you whenever you say something like that, it's like, why not you? You fucking ass. It's like yeah, such it a. It could be anyone. It could be. It's such a. It's such a um, entitled, a privileged, yeah, like outcry. Like, how could this happen to me? And to it's like me, Nancy Kerrigan, America's sweetheart. Right. So <laughs> it's funny because I didn't believe Tanya Harding had anything to do with it when it happened, but I wish she had had. You know, and then just I, to like. 
get yeah. it to... Well, after the whole why thing, I was like, fuck you. I'm like, you deserve it. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw I, Tanya, and I really, I, I really dug it. I'm a little sad that, um, you know, it di- didn't get anything more than just best actress, best supporting actress, when I think it was like... Yeah. I think it was written really well. Or maybe it got nominated for a screenplay, I too. I think... Did it? Yeah, I think it did. Um... You know, I thought I thought Sebastian Stan was great. Yeah, he was great. You know, uh, I thought Marky, the dude who played Margot Robbie. Oh, she's she was great. Like I said yeah. to you before, you know, we started recording. I'd never seen her in a movie because I've she's in a bunch. I've of strategically shit now. avoided her. What was it? Uh, the movie with Will Smith she did that's not Suicide Squad. Oh, it's not the Hitch. Con, the the con artist one. Yeah, you know? I know. I didn't. Uh, know. Wolf's, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, which yeah. I didn't see. That's good. Um, yeah, I believe that. And, um, I know that sounded sarcastic, but Yeah, it's not... I believe that. No, Wolf of Wall Street is a good movie. Of course it is, Everyone but... Everyone gives a shit, because it's very machismo, but... Well, yeah, and I think it's one of the things that, like, maybe not want to see it. And But, uh, Suicide but I... Squad I avoided? It's terrible, but she's likable. She's good. She's really good. That's Harley Quinn. She yeah. really is. Well, I think she's, like, from what I saw in Itania, I was like, wow, she's really good in general. Like, I'm yeah. more inclined to, like, see a movie now with her in it, because I'm like, she fucking nailed it, you know? Yeah. Um... And I did like how at the end of the movie, for those, I mean, spoiler alert, Nancy Kerrigan gets fucking hit in the knee with, uh, <laughs> uh, but how at the end of the movie they showed you, like, because, like, some, there's some part, certain parts of the movie where, like, that can't, that, that didn't happen, they didn't say that, and then at the end of the movie they yeah, show they you, like, the, the real interviews. Yeah, like, her bodyguard, quote-unquote, who's, her like, you know. mom. Yeah. Oh, all that stuff. It was great. Um, I really dug it. It's not my favorite movie that came out in 2017, but, um, I was, I was still impressed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, some exciting things that are going to be happening if you're a, a horror fan, uh, next week is going to be, uh, they're doing the, uh, triple feature at the Egyptian in Hollywood. Yeah. Frank Water. Yeah, you're a dude. Yeah. He is, he's up there with, uh, with David Lynch and John Waters and John Carpenter for me. I love Frank Water, And, uh, yeah, this is going to be the screening of Basket Case with, uh, the, that the Museum of Modern Art print. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus Brain Damage, which is, again, another one of my favorites of his, and then Frankenhooker, which yeah. uh, even Bill Murray endorsed. Even Bill Murray. Even Bill Murray endorsed. Uh, at the Egyptian, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think Frank Henenlotter is going to be there, which... Oh, really? But... But still. And the two... Cool. Pr- and yeah, and the Brain Damage and Frankenhooker prints are his personal prints, so that's really cool. And all of this is, like I was saying, too, a lot of things are going to come full circle, so... Before we get into the movie that we're talking about, and, and watch how I tie what we saw at the Egyptian we'll just into watch, this. Yeah. Guys, get, get ready yeah, for yeah. this. Open your eyes, guys. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, I know we talked about this a little bit on the um, episode where we watched Motel Hell and we talked about Joe Bob, but uh, horror movie hosts, which, yeah. um, real quick rundown. Um, so, like late 50s, early 60s, Universal Studios has this package of, of their films called shot and they call it the shock theater package and they send them out to all these different stations and the stations are like what are we going to do i mean like they can they can have the have these movies to show but for certain time constraints because some movies are like 60 minutes and some movies are an hour and a half like how do you if you've got this time slot what do you fill it up with yeah so they started having people dress up and host the movie um and the weird thing is that like back in the day way way pre-internet the cool thing was that this was happening in all these cities, and there were so many similarities, but they weren't—they didn't know of each other as much. Yeah, it wasn't like so. Like, it wasn't that they were copying each other? They were just everybody was kind of like on the same wavelength. Which yeah, is really cool. which ha- happens. Yeah. Um, there's gonna be a few people I overlook, or a few hosts that I overlook, quite a few. So, you know, if you're listening and you're like, "What about this guy who was around this place?" Look, I can't. We'd be all, we'd we are be, only, yeah, we only have so much time. Yeah, there is a fantastic us. documentary called American Scary, which I recommend, uh, which talks specifically about horror movie hosts, but I kind of want to talk about a few of the, like, the the big ones, you know? Um, so, the f- <clears throat> now, I don't know if, if she was the first, she was certainly the first female, and she was one of the two first horror movie hosts, but there's Vampira. What I need is a vampire cocktail to settle my nerves. It'll not only settle them, it will petrify. Mm. A vampire cocktail. You like it? It hates you. Yeah. Um, she was like, and this was so rad about 
all these horror movie hosts is that what people don't realize is that, especially now that it's like almost like kids now will have no idea what these you know horror hosts were. But again, these were people who would host a movie on the television, usually with like a weird Halloween or horror themed like set, and um, and they would present the movie. They would kind of like cut in between, you know, like before the commercial breaks. Um, kind of some some of the hosts gave a little bit of facts here and there. Some hosts they they early they were doing stuff in the early days of uh, planting, like you know, using weird like camera tricks to like make it look like the horror host was in the movie that they were. Uh, hosting but um <laughs> but they were a big deal um yeah. for example like vampira who was huge in los angeles i mean this is she was a los angeles host um she was huge yeah. friends with james dean um i think time magazine awarded her most interesting person of the year mm-hmm. i think it was, she was a tie um the like her first year on television and everything like that and like all the other thing about this that you'll find reoccurring is that these horror movie hosts most of the time they only lasted like two seasons like, no matter how wildly popular they were, they only lasted two seasons, and maybe it's because they ran out of the films to wa- to, to present, yeah. or maybe because of, you know, whatever. But we got Vampyra, and telling about Vampires, I think she got kind of blacklisted. Why? I don't know. Uh, I think, I, I mean, it could be a numerous amount of things. I think one of them was that, like, you had the very interesting different woman on television yeah you know with uh Looking hollywood man right with certain with with a certain uh sex appeal and everything yeah. like that and i think that some people couldn't take that but i mean this is a woman who was friends with james dean you know and there's a yeah interesting story about how when james dean was making rebel without a cause or he was meeting to talk about that with the director and the screenwriter he like maybe it was giant i can't remember which movie james dean was working on but he like basically like hey hold on for a second guys i need you know i need to watch this and he like made there he like he yeah. broke up. A, he yeah. broke up like an important meeting about the film to watch Vampira, you know, uh-huh. which I think is just so fucking rad. Um, and he had Marvin in Chicago, that was just Terry Bennett. And the other thing that I got to point out too is back in like the '60s when they were doing this, this was all live. Yeah. So you can, it's it's so cool to imagine like, you know, ten o'clock at night on a Friday or Saturday, you know, and you're flipping through the television. And there's this live show. Um, which was great because the, any mistakes that happen, mm-hmm. you either roll with it or not. But um, Chicago had uh, Marvin, who was Terry Bennett. He only and this was only like two seasons, and he had his wife on as a character on the show. He had kind of like this like it was like this Halloween, <laughs> this horror movie beatnik dude, you know, like he like had thick glasses, but he like you know used like beat slang and he had like a jazz band called the dead beats that would play music on the show uh-huh. and again all this is live and i really love the idea of like basically grown-ups having a party like a halloween party and filming it every weekend you know and that was uh you know so that was in chicago that was marvin and then you had um watch this this is the part i was talking about <laughs> um we have john zachary who in philadelphia he was roland and in upstate New York, he was he performed as uh, Zachary. There he is, that is the head of horror that lives and talks and destroys with his diabolical power. That is up to the point where the good doctors decide to attach it to the living body of a healthy young man. Count uh, Dracula and I uh, nominate this story, this film, for the Grand Academy Award of Transylvania, and the runner-up. Well, the, the award is a film for the ladies called Fright. A story about a young lady who had to be killed to live. <laughs> both of these, both of these charming pictures are at your local cinemas starting Sunday, the 9th of March. You cannot see these at home like you're doing now, you lazy people. You have to go out. Um, and he is considered like kind of like him and Vampire, like the mom and dad of like, yeah. horror movie hosts uh started in philly this is a guy who put out albums um you know he put out like i have a few of like single uh singles you can still download them on itunes like you know they're horror themed like mo- it's basically like the monster mash you know yeah but um the cool thing about zachary is like is the uh influence that he had on so many people because again he was he was shown in philly as Roland, yes. and then he was shown in New York as Zachary, upstate New York, kind of like the Syracuse area, and I think it trickled down to like, basically the tri-state area. Yes. Um, he was in, um, he does a voice of the creature in 
brain damage, which is playing <laughs> next week at uh, the Egyptian. Look at uh, uncre- uncredited because it was because of SAG reasons. Um, but no, I mean, like he was the one. He didn't want to get them in trouble. So, um, but he was in. You know, he's in Brain Damage by Frank yeah. Henenlotter. And then he shows up in Frankenhooker in a cameo as a weatherman. Like uh-huh. a crazy mad scientist weatherman on the television. So, um, so this is how it's all tying together. But uh, Zachary, like, again, he was, like, huge deal. Huge influence on so many people. And um, it's it's crazy. And then Goulardi, who I've talked about before. Goulardi was Ernie Anderson. Yeah. Father of P.T. Anderson. Whatever happened to Ernie Anderson? Down with Bill Gordon. No, up with Bill Gordon. Bill Gordon played beautiful baseball out there. He was lousy. That's what I like. Pick, pick it up so we can get a shot of it. Inglardi's <laughs> too cool to... He gets the poor cameraman open up the box. Yeah, they got a little shocker in there, babies. You're pretty tricky, right? You didn't catch Gulardi. So Gulardi was Ernie Anderson uh, hosting Cleveland. He was the biggest deal in Cleveland. Like, he's still remembered in Cleveland. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, there, you know, there's a famous story about how the crime rate whenever he was on dropped significantly because all everyone the... Was everyone was watching him. And the funny thing is that he... And he had, like, all these, like, catchphrases, like, stay sick... And like all these like mm-hmm. weird like uh, catchphrases that he that everybody was saying um, in Cleveland, and you know of course like you know he left he left uh, Cleveland and he came to Hollywood and became a, a very famous voice actor. Yeah, you know, and doing a lot of voiceover work. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, his first few, few films were under Goulardi Productions. That was mm-hmm. the name production company he called. Um, and he also, uh, with throwing little references, there's a great reference in Magnolia where, um, it's one of my favorite scenes where William H. Macy is, is, uh, you know, like the boy genius who's, you know, in love with the bartender, Brad, who's got braces. Yeah. And so there's this whole scene where, you know, he's like professing his love for, you know, bartender Brad and Robert Gibson Uh is playing this like rich guy who's also in love with Brad. Uh And there's just that part where William H. Macy's like, I got... I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. I, I, I gotta go. I'm sick. I'm sick. And, like, Robert Gibson's like, stay that way. Stay sick. Yeah. You know? Little reference to his father, which was really great. Um, so we leave Cleveland. We go to Chicago again. We got Sven Gulli. Who... Oh, yes. Listen, the time has come for scary things like monsters, ghosts, and vampire wings. Like horrible movies, all drippy and drooly. And horrible hosts like me, Bruce Cabot. Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome you to tonight's program and reintroduce tonight's guest mystery coffin opener, the one and only Mort Saul. Welcome back to the show. It was two different people. It was Jerry G. Bishop, and then later on, he was, it was Son of Svengali with by Rich Coase. Um, Jerry G. Bishop is one of the funniest, uh, was one of the best hosts. He just he was like very quick, very uh, very sharp. And he, any mistakes that happened on the show, he just rolled with it. Yeah. And it made it super funny. Uh, cool thing about Svengoolie was that, so, like, he would do this whole little poem or, like, kind of, like, weird rhyme to introduce the show, which I'll play right here. And then he would have, and then for the last part, he would open up, a, he would come out of a coffin and say, you know, he'd finish the, the rhyme, you know, and he's got, like, long green hair. He looks like a hippie. Yeah. Um... Dracula, and he has like this Bella Lugosi voice, but he'd get all these celebrities that would come by the area to like, op- they'd be like, you know, some like Bette Midler would come on, she would open the coffin one night, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, that's really cool because like, you know, we we don't we don't think about it, but back in the day, local television was such a big deal, you know, it wasn't like what it is now, you know. Yeah. Um. So you it made sense you could have something like you know like a Bette Midler show up on you know on set and like do this or like, um. God, I can't, I can't think. Sammy Davis Jr. showed up on uh, on Marvin's show. On, uh, uh-huh. So, uh, Jerry G. Bishop left. Uh, Rich Coast picked, uh, took over, and he became Son of Sven Gulli. And then after, like, 10 years of doing, you know, hosting in Chicago, um, Jerry G. Bishop basically told Rich Coast, he's like, just drop the son of, you're an adult now. Like, you're Sven uh-huh. Gulli, you know? Um, and then we go to Elvira. 
I know the feeling. Well, I've been taking a few of those midnight swims alone lately, my own darn self. Oh, it's tough losing out like that to the town virgin, ain't it? And another thing. Now, who the heck could that be? <sighs> Hello, Elvira, swimmer in the dark. <sighs> Hello, Elvirus? Well, what do you know? It ain't that wild and wacky, crazy old Mr. B. Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, do you have anything on for tonight? <laughs> yeah, but don't get excited, because I'm keeping it on. Oh, bummer. Bad trip. Totally. Hey, well, uh, are you ready for another, the uh, rib tickler? <laughs> It'll just make my week. Just go ahead, breather. I can hardly wait. Okay. What goes ha 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 plop? Ha 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 plop? Yeah, ha 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 plop. That's a guy laughing his head off. <laughs> so I, I feel like I, it kind of goes without saying. I mean, this woman's a marketing genius. Yeah. Um, she's still a babe. Like, she still so looks amazing. amazing. Yeah. I don't know what. She must have sold her soul to the devil. She's, yeah, she's fantastic. She looks great. And, you know, it's funny because, like, her show, if you ever watch, like, all the episodes of her show, it's funny. It's great. It's awesome. She becomes a bigger deal after she's off the air. She's only in the air for, like, two, three years maybe. Yeah. But then, but she was so smart that she, like, she got licensing deals with, like, you know, she did. She had worked out deals with Bud, like Bud, you know, yeah. and like uh, Not Scary Farms, which I always have a hard time saying. Like people are like, "Oh, let's go to Not Scary Farms," and I'm like, "That is the stupidest name for a like a haunted." No. You know what I mean, though. It's like, <laughs> um, but like in fact, she had her last. She used to show up. She used to do like a thing every Halloween season, and this yeah. last, this past year was her last one, and it was really cool to like see the photos from it, like. Members of the B fifty two showing up like, mm -hmm. um, you know, just random people just showing up to show like her like respect yeah, and love, you know, because yeah, um, again, marketing genius, like just I mean, there's a store across from where I work, like a big candy store, and they have a specific section full of Elvira merchandise. Yeah, you know, and it's just like she's still going at it. She's you know? iconic at this point. Yeah, and um, I mean, if you haven't seen her first movie, because she made two, the, I haven't seen the second one. Uh, largely because I think it's more of like a period piece, whereas like the first movie is, you know, have you seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? Yeah. It's one of the, it's fucking hilarious. It's not, it, it's clearly. It's were, punny, yeah. Yeah, they were trying to do like, a, I mean, because her and Pee Wee kind of came, it were, yeah. were both in Groundlings, and she's got a cameo in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, not as a Elvira, yeah. but, you know, but um, it's clear that they're doing the Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like, route, you know, like they're trying to like, make yeah. that and it doesn't hit the same I mean it just doesn't work the same way that Pee Wee's Big Adventure does but I still think it's completely solid um, great movie and then you know kind of touching up on somebody we touched on before but Joe Bob Briggs who I'm wearing, yeah, I was gonna say you're wearing tonight. I'm wearing tonight and um, your ensemble yeah well, wasn't that just so dang heartwarming? Sam Elliott as the tough but honest cowboy trying to have sex with Catherine Ross. And whatever happened to Catherine Ross, anyway? But you know what could be even more heartwarming than that story? Stick around for Monster Vision tonight, because we have the classic Motel Hell with Rory Calhoun as a good-natured cannibal who likes to turn tourists into roadkill on the highways and then grind them up and sell them as sausage souvenirs. And helping us navigate through the subtle cinematic themes of tonight's movie is Dr. Vale Reese, a dermatologist and expert on the effects of cannibalism on the human complexion. Dr. Reese actually does a website called Skinema, combining the arts of film and skin care. I'm not kidding, and it's all part of Joe Bob's Summer School, our 10-week special session for remedial couch potatoes. And for those who are taking the full 21 film course, we have Return of the Living Dead Part 2 as our second feature, The Zombies Rise Again, and this time the brain eating is personal. He uh, started writing in the Dallas Times, that you know, an article. Um, then he moved on to the movie channel, and uh, then subsequently TNT's Monster Vision. I first heard of the movie Basket Case by reading Joe Bob's book. Oh, really? His first book, yeah. And, like, he taught... I mean, he was also a huge champion of the film. So, on this new Arrow release that they're doing for Basket Case, coming out next week, I think? Is there an intro? An intro? No, he doesn't do an intro. He just does a whole, like... There's, like, a whole thing about... Like, you know, he talks about the movie, because... Yeah. Um, 
you know, he was like a, he was a big fan of that movie and was kind of gave it a lot of um, helped get it a lot of publicity when it first came out. And but that's how I read it. I read it. I was reading his book Joe Bob Goes to the Drive-In, and I'd seen the cover of Basket Case, but you don't know, you know what movies are half the time. You're like, you don't know that these movies are going to be like what they are today, you know. And yeah, I read this article on um, I read his review of Basket Case. I was like, I got to see this movie. And then, uh, and then I saw Motel Hell on uh, Monster Vision. Uh, which we talked about when we did the Motel Motel Hell episode, and then yeah. um, cool news is that Shutter is considering bringing back Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. Really? But they need they need they want people to send in testimony. So part of the reason I want to do this episode is like this is Get our testimony, testimony, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it would be invaluable to have Joe Bob back on TV in any capacity talking about horror movies. I mean, this guy knows so much about movies, and yet his like his way of presenting them and his way of like articulating about them he gives you so much information but without um with making it interesting making it exciting making it fun you know um very relatable uh so we move on from joe bob briggs to stella she was part of it um which was karen uh scioli and um Oh, good evening. Welcome to Saturday Night Dead. It's me, Stella, the maddening minx of movie dumb. <laughs> Tonight, I have a wonderfully frightful thriller for you. Back by popular demand, it's Roddy McDowell in It. Oh, oh, this place is disgusting. Oh, I've been so busy being a diva who has time to do housework. Oh, look at this laundry that's piled up. And this is just Iggy's underwear. <laughs> oh, I hate doing Iggy's laundry. I have to soak everything in formaldehyde. <laughs> she grew up watching Roland when she was a girl, a little girl, and then she became a horror movie host in the 80s into, like, the, I think, 1990. But she had a show called Saturday Night Dead, which I have vague memories of living in outside Philly. I mean, it was... Mm -hmm. But she would make references to, like, the Delaware Valley, which is, I know it sounds just like Delaware. It's just consists of Delaware, but it actually consists of, like, Delaware and Philadelphia because yeah. of the Delaware River. <laughs> um, but she would make, like, you know, that's what the cool thing about these hosts, you know, if you if it was in your town, you would hear a reference, like, oh, I know that place. Yeah, it's personable. Yeah, it's very personable. And when you, and when you, you know, you know, when you're younger, you feel like television, like, whatever you see on TV is, like, um, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? It's like everything on TV is larger than life. So that when like when these hosts would talk about things that you knew about and places that you know about, it was really uh, got you excited. Yeah. And I'm I'm convinced to this day that if we had local television the way that they had it back in the day, before like all the major networks kind of like just completely took over, um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would live in LA because I mean like to me it's like LA and New York are like two are like when people when I think about places I want to live. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything but either of those because that's what you feel like everything is there. But back in the day when I was younger, I used to think that every, you know, like where I lived, like outside Philly or when we lived in Boston, you know, like that's, that's where it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you really get, a, you really felt like a, not a sense of pride, but like you didn't need to go anywhere else because everything was right there. The whole world was right there. And I feel like local television really pushed for that. Um, the last thing I'm going to mention is, um. I'm going to mention a few notables real quickly. Uh, Sir Graves Gasly, who was in Detroit and Cleveland. Bob Wilkins, who uh, was the horror movie host of Creature Features in Oakland and San Francisco. And um, John Stanley, who was who took over for Bob Wilkins. Uh, those are notables that just come off the top of my head. Um, obviously, we forgot about a bunch. There's so many people. Yeah. Um, again, do your research. Check these people out. Count Cordoval. Um, he's another one. And then... Um, God, like Cleveland itself, or like this, the state of Ohio has like a million horror movie hosts to this day. Like, there's yeah. still people in in Ohio who are doing horror movie hosting on the internet. You know, so uh, Mr. Lobo in in um in San Francisco area, the Bay Area. Anyway, uh, last thing I'm gonna mention is USA's Up All Night. Yeah. Which I don't have cable, but I remember it. Yeah, and um. I mean, so Gilbert Gottfried hosted on one night, and then the next night would be Rhonda Shears. And Hi, it's your bedtime buddy on USA Up All Night, and Rhonda's so excited because I just got finished Rhonda-sizing Jason. I'm not sure if he likes the lipstick. Oh, Jason, thank you. I've been looking for this. 
Cool. Okay. Oh, silly, you're already dry. <laughs> it's your girly girl here with Mr. Life of the Party. Now, let's get back to Friday the 13th, a new beginning on USA. And as like a, what, four, 13, 14 year old boy, Rhonda Shears was like, it's the only reason I, <laughs> only thing I need to watch that, uh, only reason I need to watch uh, Up Online. And the cool thing is they didn't just play horror movies, they play like, I mean, some real trash. Yeah. Like, um, Vice Squad with Linnea Quigley, which uh -huh. I bought on DVD last year because I was like, I wanted to have my own USA's Up All Night <laughs> moment. Why would you do that? Uh, it was cheap. And, like, I was home alone, and I was like, I'm going to watch Vice Squad just like I did when I was a kid, um, watching it on USA's Up All Night, which was, again, you know, one of the best, like, I wouldn't even call it horror movie hosting as much as movie hosting, but it was just great B-movies. Rhonda Shears is, like, a, again, as a kid. Yeah. Loved her. So I moved from New Jersey to, um, the, you know, South Jersey to Boston. And um, I'm the new kid. I don't know my neighbors. I don't know anything about anybody, really. I'm into horror movies, you know. Um, and one night on USA's Up All Night, I catch Fright Night, mm -hmm. which is about... You know, slightly different. It's about vampires, yeah. But it's about, like, a kid who suspects that his next-door neighbor is a vampire and then yeah. so forth. Um, so for me, to, and then and the best thing about, you know, Fright Night is that, like, so, yeah. So Charlie Brewster, played by William Ragsdale, is this uh, typical suburban teen who just wants to get into his girlfriend's pants. His girlfriend, played by Amanda Bierce, who is... Marcy Darcy. Marcy Darcy and Married with Children. And, um... He starts to suspect that his next door neighbor, played by Chris Sarandon. Yeah, who's kind of hot in those movies. Prince Humperdinck. This is pre Prince Humperdinck, though. I know, but I can't not. No, see no, of him course, of course. Um, but still, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Kind of hot. I mean, I get it. It's like weird. The fact that you think he's kind of hot now, imagine when he, what women thought of him in the, in the oh, 80s. Oh, I know. Exactly. You know, That's with that sweater like, that he's wearing, you know. Yeah, that, that like turtleneck when he comes out, I'm like, ooh, yeah. boy. Um, <laughs> but he starts to suspect that Chris Randon's a vampire, and of course, as we find out so quickly. So quick. I like it. It's just like no room No for... real bullshit. Yeah, there's yeah. no like, um, we find out that Chris Randon is in fact a vampire, and of course, nobody believes him. Yeah. And um, finally, with no with nothing else to turn to, uh, Charlie Brewster turns to uh, Peter Vincent, who's played by yes. Roddy McDowell, who is the local horror movie host who also happened to play a Peter Cushing type of character in, you know, old vampire movies, like the the uh, prototypical vampire hunter. Mm -hmm. So he goes to, to get his help, and Peter Vincent turns out to be like an asshole actor who's just yeah, like, he's like no, egocentric man. and, yeah. You're going to pay me? <laughs> exactly. And, um... Just like a, a total has been, and of course, you know, they have to. T they end up having to team up and mm -hmm. you know stopping Chris Sarandon. So imagine, like, I'm, I'm again, I'm a new kid in a new in a new town, and you know, I don't know my neighbors, um, and it, it was that feeling of, like everything was still creepy because you didn't <laughs> know like, anything. My like, neighbors are vampires. I know it. And I'm, I'm so like, yeah. And so I'm watching this movie on USA's Up All Night. You know. About a kid who's you know suspects his neighbors of being a vampire and has to you know very influenced by like the horror movie host that he's watching. Yeah. Um. So it was a very meta moment, you know, and I think that because <laughs> that Fright Night has always been one of my all-time favorites. Like I, every few years, I on my birthday I'll watch it. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll show it on it. I'll what I see. It, I have Dr that's like my Dracula. Like I love Dracula. The Gary Oldman? Yes, I love it so much. Yeah, I Keanu Reeves is awesome in it. Oh my god, dude. But I get, I Fright Night is really funny. It's funny, yeah. It's still really, it like holds up in its humor. It holds up so well. And yeah. like, so Tom Holland um, wrote and directed. Yeah. Uh, Not? Well, this and Child's Play, didn't he? Well, he directed Child's Play. Oh, he didn't team. write it. No, but here's the weird thing is that like all of, a lot of Tom Holland stuff, like if you ever like look back at his like, you know, his, his body of work. Yeah. He, he wrote Cloak and Dagger. Do you remember that one? I don't know if I saw that one. Okay, it's the one with, like, Elliot from E.T. Oh, yeah. Who, like, who believes that, like, you know, his, like, his hero, like, this, like, I can't, I, I funny because I haven't seen it in a long time either. Yeah. Um, I saw it in the theater 
few months ago, a few years ago, but really? I just don't remember who Dabney like if Dabney Coleman's supposed to be playing his like a superhero or basically like, this fictional hero that Elliot like uh, looks up to. Uh-huh. He starts seeing, and nobody believes in that like this person's real. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Tom Holland has this body of work where teenagers or kids are trying yeah. to convince their parents that like that something is real. Something is real. It's not like uh, scream if you can or scream for help. Um, where a girl's trying to convince everybody that her stepfather's trying to kill her mother and all this weird yeah. shit. Um, Cloak and Dagger, Child's Play, which again, he didn't it's write. It's still, but still it's the same, yeah. same thing, you know? So, um, but prior to this, Tom Holland wrote Class of 1984, which was directed by Mark Lester, which starred Roddy McDowell. Or had Roddy McDowell. I don't uh-huh. know who he was, I would say he's the star. But, this is how Roddy McDowell gets involved with Fright Night. Um, and, you know, it's funny because... The thing about Fright Night is, is this is why the remake, which I, I didn't dislike. Yeah. But this is where it got it wrong. Okay. The remake thinks makes Charlie Brewster the main, the focus of the story. It's his story. Mm-hmm. In Fright Night, the story, it's Peter Vincent's story. Yeah. Um, Charlie Brewster's the engine that keeps things going. Like, he's the one that keeps this, moves the story along, but it's Peter Vincent's story. He's the only character that really goes through... Well, Peter Vincent and Amy, yeah. Amanda Beers. Um, Marcy. Marcy Darcy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Peter Vincent's character goes from this, like, egocentric coward to a hero. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I mean, I feel like Roddy McDowell nails it. But that's... that. It's his... It, Fright Night is his story. Yeah, his redemption. Yeah. And, it's, and, and the remake... And I love David Tennant, but the remake was just like, they put the focus on Charlie and I was just like, no, I don't, I want to see, it should be always about Peter Vincent, you know? Yeah. Um, but a few things stand out in, the, in this movie that I love. One, uh, it's got one of the sexiest scenes in any movie. This is why I've been wanting to do like a top three oh, sexiest wait, scenes. wait, which one? The first part? Because I remember, I don't know who it was and I'm sorry if you told me this and I don't remember who you are, but someone was like. Bright Night is the first movie that I, like, saw boobs and, like, thought, like, <laughs> that, like, sex was, like, something to be, like, wanted, you know, like, oh, my God. No, it wasn't me. We're watching this. For me, that was like, Billy Idol's Rock the Cradle but, video. <laughs> but I always think about that now. I'm like, wow, imagine being a kid and being like, whoa. No, for me, uh, it's, it's the scene where, you know. In I the mean, window? No, no, not even that scene. It's the scene where, where he's seducing uh, Amy or Man of Beers. And here's the yeah. thing, like. And I'm not trying to disparage Mana Beers because she's awesome. Marcy Darcy was a great character. But I would never, ever, ever say that I was like, she's super sexy. She is sexy. But she is sexy in yeah. this movie. And she, uh, there's a, all right, so I remember when I saw John Carpenter's Vampires, which we also talked uh. about in episode. <laughs> and a friend Dan and I were talking about this, like, um, this thing that always happens in vampire movies where um, it doesn't matter. They could be totally unattractive. They could be already gorgeous. But you turn chick into a vampire, and she's super Extra, sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Seductive. Yes, and Amanda Beers totally. Oh yeah, she she nails it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, she she. It's funny because she not only does she nail it with like suddenly she her hair grows out long yeah. and red because she's a vampire. Because she's a vampire, and um, and then she also goes the, the exact opposite of the spectrum where she becomes like completely hideous. Oh yeah, which I, I love like. That. I love it. Yeah. I like that they do play play of both. Um, but. You know, Stephen Jeffries plays the best friend. Yeah. Um, we talked about him when we did, we talked about Nine Seven Six Evil. Yeah. And he's he's so good. Yeah, he's really good at that character. That that. It's like that like screechish kind of like his voice is so high pitched and like funny though his laugh. Like, yeah. He's such a good. Best friend yeah, character. He, um, really, he really was. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. I mean, like really everybody in this movie. That's what I love about Fright Night, and I, I, you know, and like we were watching it, and I've seen this movie so many times, but even I even said to you when we were watching, it, it like there's certain things I was like, oh, I never noticed that before, yeah. like little details, and that's how good the movie is, is that it's so good that you you completely forget the little the little touches that yeah you, that you because are, you're already engrossed in it right, and you're already probably already subconsciously catching it, like Jerry Dandridge walking by a, a, a mirror and being like, oh shit. The door's opening by itself because yeah. you can't see his reflection. That's really cool. Like, I'm already so invested in the movie that, like, I forget about it. There's also this really cool, like, vibe in, in Fright Night where um, 
it's like this weird like kind of like the weird shit that goes on in the suburbs you know like yeah. the gossiping like the mom this mom you know charlie's mom who's played by dorothy fielding i think is her name and she's a complete like ditz mm-hmm. who like you know is i mean she's the, she's one of the best parts of the movie as far as i'm concerned like her just her little throwaway lines like when you know she's you know she's super good natured super sweet uh, Charlie's telling her he had a nightmare, and she's like, "Do you want a Valium?" And it's like, "Yeah." Who fucking offers their child? <laughs> um, but you know, her being like, you know, her like gossiping about the neighbor, being like, "Oh, all of my lucky's probably gay," you know, yeah. and like, and what's really cool too about about Frightened is they kind of play into that. Like, there is that dynamic between um, him you know, and him. Yeah, Char- uh, Jerry Dandridge, who's played by Chris Sarandon, who's the vampire, and his like familiar or his henchman or whatever yeah. play, uh, Billy Cole is played by Jonathan Stark who's like there's a very homo like but not even like it, it's not like super o- yeah. overt but it's like it's, it's definitely intimacy that like just the way that like you know Chris Reynolds just kind of put his arm like his put his like yeah. rest his like elbows on his shoulder and like um or just like the lines where like you know the the detective comes in he's like ah oh, you know uh you know, Charlie over here says he saw one of the victims here last night. He's like, no, it was just me and Billy. I mean, me and, uh, me and Jerry, and we were just, it was just the two of us all night. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but that's deliberate. Like, all yeah. of this is deliberate. Um, there is a great documentary on Fright Night that you can see on Shudder. Uh, it was originally a Kickstarter project that I, I kickstarted, or I didn't kickstart, but I, like, I con- helped. helped, yeah, I contributed to whatever. What do you call that? Fund helped fund. Yeah, helped fund. I guess. Um, yeah, it's called the uh, "You're So Cool" Brewster, and it's the it's like um, if any of you guys have seen "Never Sleep Again," the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, it's a very similar type style documentary, but solely based off of the Fright Night, Fright Night One, Fright Night Two, which I'll touch on in a quick second, and um, you know the remake, but really not much about the remake because yeah, it's not good. right. And um. Oh man, the remake, you know, it's just like, it, it, what strikes me about the remake is that it felt to me, and I still, again, I still like it, but it felt like whoever wrote it, who I think she's, she was, a, he or she was a writer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, goes to a friend and says, I have this great idea for a movie about a kid who thinks his neighbor's a vampire, and his friend, and the friend was like, that's a really cool idea. Have you ever seen the movie Fright Night? And they're like, no. And they're like, we'll just take the script that you're already working on and we'll just call it a Fright Night remake, you know? They have to, but it's like such a used story, though. The oh, yeah, it's, it's Rear Window. Yeah, exactly. It's Rear Window with vampires. Um, but I I don't know. I, I haven't seen it since it's been out, but I do remember that Colin Farrell plays a neighbor and I was like, that's a great, hot choice. Yeah. And like all the moms in it are like, of course, you know, and like, but again, like in in you gotta you go back to nineteen eighty five where Chris Sarandon. I know he. I still think he's sexy. Enough. But what's cool about it is that he this like I'm not gonna say this movie like broke him, you know, like as far as like because I mean he was already kind of a big deal. He had gotten yeah. nominated for an Oscar for Dog Day Afternoon, playing out. Have you seen that? Yeah. He plays Al Pacino's trans like the the lover that Al Pacino is robbing the bank for just to try to pay for the operation in the movie for maybe five minutes of screen yeah. time and he got nominated because he was he's fucking fantastic then he did um a tale of two cities on tv like one of those like oh yeah which is funny because like i remember in high school um when we were reading a tale of two cities it was like kind of a tie into that tv thing so it had pictures from the 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 movie it was like the original dickens text but it oh, had like yeah. pictures from the movie and it was like there's chris sarandon playing two characters like um but and then he does uh he does fright night which mm-hmm. you know um is great it's fantastic, and he goes on to do Child's Play with Tom Holland, Princess Bride with Rob Reiner. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and he, do, he did a movie with Dan O'Bannon. He uh, shows up in, ta- that he is the best part of that really awful Tales from the Crypt. Oh, Bordello Blood. Which, here's the thing, I say really awful, and I mean that no. so, in, in the best possible way. Yeah. I, I own Bordello Blood. I love Bordello of Blood. Not as, I, I love Demon Knight, because I think Demon Knight's Demon a, Knight is is a legit best. film. Bordello Blood's is like, man, this movie's so fucking bad. But Dude, we should watch Demon Knight. We should watch Demon Knight. Like, um, Demon Knight is a, like a really good burrito at a at a, you know, at a food truck. Yeah. Bordello Blood's Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm okay, gonna I'm uh, gonna enjoy it. And yeah, we still like Taco Bell. Right, exactly. Uh, but Chris Randon shows up in that. Uh, William Ragsdale, who plays Charlie Brewster, uh, he. I, I just, happened to him. Well, I just, he was in the show Justified. He played oh, okay. Timothy Oliphant's character's 
ex-wife's current husband. Oh, okay. He looks completely different. When I found when I re- when really? I realized who it was, I was like, he, has, he, just, he looks up. older. You know, he looks older. Well, he is. You know, but he was <laughs> he was also in a she was in a show on uh, Fox called Herman's Head, which um, huh. was about he played Herman, and the whole show was like him interacting with the people and his coworkers and everything. But inside his head was like these different. You know, it was like kind of um, what was that Disney movie, that Pixar film, with the different know. emotions. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, yes, you do. It was like they're all like I don't watch they're all. Those. Fuck it. All right, never mind. The the Incredibles. No, it wasn't the Incredibles. <laughs> but anyway, Herman's head. It was basically like all his different like his different emotions in his head. Yeah. Like you know, having di- bantering and having dialogue. One of them was uh, uh Lisa Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, Hank Azaria was on the show. Oh really? And then yeah, William Ragsdale was also on a, a uh, made-for-TV movie that I I had on tape. Like I taped it off of Fox around Halloween time because this was back when like Halloween still mattered and people like you know all the networks went crazy about it yeah. it was called Frankenstein the College Years and you can exact you can imagine exactly <laughs> what type of movie this is You're, somebody was like you know what would be great I, I let's take Animal House and let's take the story of Frankenstein <laughs> and uh, but William Ragsdale was in that um Man of Beer something we, we can yeah. I mean if, I feel like Half the cast goes on to go do Fox Network yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's famous for yeah. for that and uh, for Married with Children. And then yeah. Roddy McDowell, who is already a legend at this point. It was funny because he was already an icon or he was already like, a, a established. I mean, this guy was acting since he was a kid in like, Lassie. Yeah. And then he does like Twilight Zone episodes. He does Planet of the Apes, you know. And oh, then in the yeah. 80s, he's kind of hitting a weird decline, sort of. You know, he's just doing a lot of these like low-budget independent films. And he does Fright Night. He also goes on to produce and star, oh, not star, but produce and act in a uh, Overboard. Oh yeah. He's golden. Oh he's, yeah, he's the fucking yeah. The waiter, the butler. Yeah, he's the butler, you know, who's like yeah. awesome. Um, but Roddy McDowell is just great, and so they do Fright Night Two. Tommy Lee Wallace, who directed Halloween Three. Yeah. He was uh, friends with John Carpenter. He ended up directing, and I think he also wrote it too, or had some hand in writing it. Um, brings back Roddy McDowell and William Ragsdale. Uh, it just doesn't have the same feel. Doesn't have the, it, it, there's I like Fright Night too, but it does not I have. I don't think I've ever seen it. It does I not have like the it's same. Unnecessary. It is. That's the. That's what you. That's the, It's like uh, Fright Night Two. You're watching it. You enjoy it, but you're like, this never I don't need, need to. Yeah. Um, good cast: William Ragsdale, Roddy mm-hmm. McDowell, um, uh, Julie Carmen. Who was in in Mouth of Madness? Remember we were talking about this with Eric. You know, like the whole like weird backwards. Oh yeah. She plays Jerry Dandridge's sister, which I know. Sa- Here's the thing: is on paper that sounds the dumbest thing in the world, but she nails it. It's really cool. The only problem is that it doesn't feel like you're watching something different, and it yeah. feels like they scaled down. Like this, this was like a, a Sony film. This was like a, a major studio horror film. The first one, second one feels like they they dumbed it down. They they did, well they just they cheapened it. Yeah. They don't have, they, they just did not invest the budget. Fright Night was a successful movie when it came out. Fright Night 2, you should always go bigger. Yeah. Terminator 1, and then you get Terminator 2. You always go bigger, and they don't with Fright Night 2. They, it feels like they go backwards. Yeah. So they're, they're really just banking on the name, but it, looks like, it kind of feels like a, a cheap cash-in. Like a TV, TV movie. Yeah, and um, it's a shame, because like, that movie is enti- like tangled in legal rights as far as like, you know, DVD and everything because of the Menendez brother uh, brothers killing their parents. Yeah. Why though? Because the, I think, uh, the head of the of the distribution company was uh, Papa Menendez. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Again, this is all wow. this is all stuff you can see on the documentary um, that you should watch. It's great. They'll go way more in depth, and I probably got some of the details. But they were talking about doing a Fright Night Three. Like Roddy McDowell loved God, this character. Really? And he wanted to do it. I think that would have been great, though, if they brought Tom Holland back. In fact, Tom Holland's currently writing a book, a, a sequel to yeah. Fright Night as, in the form of a book. Because how do you... You can't do Fright that Night... That would be cool. I'd rather that. Yeah, you can't do Fright Night without Peter Vincent. Yeah. Um, And you can't do Peter Vincent without Rodney McDowell. I love David Tennant. Mm-hmm. And he's the only actor who could take that dialogue from the remake. Like that whole, like, oh, here's a reveal... My parents were killed by a vampire. No, like yeah. that's the dumbest plot line. But yet David Tennant, he'll he'll he sells it. But you know what's great about the original Fright Night is that he Peter Vincent doesn't believe in this shit. 
Like, yeah. which is, you know, he's been spending his life playing a character who, who hunts vampires, and then when the reality comes, you know, crashing down, he's petrified. I still get the feels. Like, I do. Like, we were sitting here watching. I got a little, like, choked up a little bit when, like, there's, you know, there's, it's a scene between Charlie and Peter, and, you know, Peter finally confesses to him. He's like, hey, you know, I was paid to be there. And Charlie's like, I know that. And Peter's like, oh, and you still want my help? Like, he's so touched. Yeah. But then he remembers that he's petrified, and he starts getting, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just too freaked out. And you're like, oh, man, but it kills me. Like, every time I'm like, this is such a sweet moment. And then at the end of the movie when, hey, spoiler alert, <laughs> saves the day, you know, Peter's watching Amy and, and Charlie hug and embrace. You know, he's just kind of standing there, kind of awkward. Then Charlie pulls him in, and like, bring, and they all kind of group hug. And it's like this cute moment where it's like, that part they kind of retain in the second one, where yeah. the relationship between Charlie and Peter Vincent and everything. And, um, okay. But, again, you know, uh, Rodney McDowell, he fucking kills in this movie. Um, and so is Stephen. I mean, everybody does. Stephen Jeffries, who yeah. really was like poised to be like a big deal and then just completely. Well, we've talked about him. And, yeah. And on, on that episode, 976. Yeah, man, bums me out. I mean, I get, I don't know, maybe that was, like, what he wanted to do, but... Well, it's weird, because he doesn't talk about it. Well, maybe not, I don't know. I mean, he don't know, he doesn't talk about it, but it's interesting, because it's like, he did a lot of them. Yeah, and it's in his profile. Oh, yeah, his, you can't, you can't, uh, his... His IMDb. Right, his IMDb Straight has up. a few uh, uh, more adult-oriented films, more grown-up. Yeah. <laughs> um, from top to bottom. Uh. <laughs> Um, with the puns. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, hey, I always wanted to be a horror movie host. That's part of the reason we why I want to do, do this it. podcast. That's part of the reason why I'm doing, I do this podcast. We'll do a special YouTube episode we should. on Halloween. God, that would be so cool. Stay tuned, guys. That's a fucking rad idea. But yeah, I've always wanted to do that. It's like, I remember when I first started dating my girlfriend, she was like, what are your goals in life? And I was like, make film, be a horror movie host. And she's like, how much money is that? I'm like, zero. <laughs> like, there's no uh, money. None. There's, there's just, no money. It's, there's just hosting for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I, I really, you know, and I, I, I'll, I'll wrap up this Fright Night episode with this kind of thing, which is like when I was, I was I actually having a conversation with my mother about this not too long ago. But when I was a kid and I lived in the middle of nowhere, and I was afraid, you know, afraid of everything, which we've talked about a million times. Like, mm-hmm. um, hearing somebody on the radio at, yeah. at night, or like hearing a DJ, like a, or a disc jockey, like spinning music at three o'clock in the morning, made me feel like, okay, I'm not the only person who's awake right now. Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you feel like, again, whatever's around you is your entire world. And for me, it was like, oh man, like, what if something bad happens? And I never thought to call the cops. <laughs> you know. You know. But, um, so, like, something, if something was bad happened, it just made me happy knowing there was, like, uh, somebody awake. You could call the radio station. Like, I'd call the radio yes. station, yeah. Um, and the same thing goes with the television. Like, granted, like, you know, um, I still have a soft spot for the Three Stooges because at 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 yeah. o'clock in the morning, that, you would see that on, on TV. And, like, granted, uh, the reality was probably they were, it was probably automated then. But yeah. in my mind, somebody was awake putting, like, going... Oh, we got this Three Stooges tape, and then sticking it in, and then pressing play, and that's what we kind of like. Remember in Hackers, like the whole oh like, yeah, and it's like burr, 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 right, right, burr, burr. but with an actual person. So yeah. it, made, it always made me feel comfort comforted that like somebody was awake. And I think that's one of the things that horror movie hosts kind of did too is that not only were they showing you these scary things, but they were also kind of, hey, we're here, like we're with yeah. you here, you know. And there's something really comforting about that. And um, so I think that's always why Fright Night appeals to me because it brings me back to like being that kid where it's like, oh, it's nice to know that somebody's awake right now at like two in the morning, yeah. uh, you know, on TV. Um, or that no matter what happens, you always have somebody you can like reach out to, you know, mm-hmm. that'll like, who's just, just part of that, you know, offshoot of May, uh, of the rest of the world that like, you know, will be there. So I really, I really dig Fright Night. I've seen it, you know. Yeah. Seen on the big screen twice. I went to a uh, theater. That's cool. Yeah, I went to a theater in Long Beach, and I almost fucking murdered like the people behind me because like they were talking. They were talking, but they weren't even talking. They were criticizing like this movie is so fucking dumb, and I'm like, why did you fucking pay to see it then? <laughs> yeah, like, this, rent it at home. Yeah, this isn't like a fucking you like fucking joy killers. Right. Yeah. This isn't a movie that like you just were walking down the street and you said, oh, fright night. You know, it was like yeah, you have to know what you're doing when you go in to see this movie. And then the second time I saw it was at um. R.I.P. Cinefamily, like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, that experience was, imp- it was on a couch. 
No, man, I, I still, I still hope that they correct. Yeah. And can reform in an appropriate way. Yeah, that's gonna be the it. The place was cool. The place was great. I have some fond memories. Um, one of them was going to see Fright Night after that disastrous Long Beach thing. I was like, man, this fucking sucked, and then. Cine family played a few like months later, and I was like, "Oh, I get a second chance at this," and I went, yeah. and I was like, "It was people way who better." Are, like, yeah, there yeah. to see the movie. I mean, I would, I didn't want to just wipe out like those people in the theater. I wanted to wipe out all of Long Beach because of that whole thing. I was like, "How dare you!" Fright Night is is amazing. Um, it is. It's not perfect. It's got some flaws. Yeah, of you course. Know? Most of the, most of the '80s do, but it is so funny still. But that thing is flaws can be charming too. Just yeah. like on like on on TV when like you know Svengoolie would be talking to the the skeleton puppet that was like talking, yeah. and when he would talk to him, and he'd be like, "Why don't you Why aren't your lips moving when you're talking?" Yeah, and then they just make a joke out of it because you know what I mean. Like it's like, yeah. The, Things are way too polished these days. You're right. I do hate trailers that give away the entire. I know. I, I tagged it. That's true. It's true. I was. We were. Oh, the Venom trailer. Which I haven't uh, seen. Did you see? It's fucking trash. It's a trash trailer. Isn't isn't there isn't there a Venom isn't it a Venom trailer without any Venom? No. I like mean, you finally see him. Not as Venom, but you see Tom Hardy. What the fuck is the point of seeing? It's stupid. Watch it so we can talk about it next time because I hate the trailer so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, the next episode we're recording is the day after uh, that, I don't know, there's like a movie marathon going on for somebody's birthday. Oh. <laughs> um, for a l- someone who might be talking right now. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what? Yeah. So, Fright Night will not be playing that night, but um, Fast Your Pussy Got Kill Kill as the headliner. It's a good. <laughs> pretty solid, pretty solid uh, headliner there, um, but... Do yeah, you we'll wanna, do an episode on that. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. add anything to the... Uh, no. Uh, well, kind of, I guess. Shout out to... I, I fucking hate this name. I'm sorry, Sean, but... Uh, Rockin'... Right. Wait. Rockin' Fawn. No, I know... Wait, is that? Yeah, it's Rockin' Fawn. It's like fucking rotten, except with the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's okay. Right. Hey, I... But it's a really cool t-shirt company. Yeah. Um, they do like the the Japanese um, horror movie poster t shirts. Uh, it's really cool. They have a lot of cool designs. Check them out. I got a pretty sweet. Uh, they did a pretty sweet collaboration with Studio House Designs. I got and the, yeah, and Mess Syndicate. I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's our uh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric was. He's been uh, completely killing it on social media killing these days. It. Yeah. The Bruce Willis um, post. I know. One of the best. Uh, Eric, yeah, Eric is like a, a like a co- like comedic genius savant. There, there, you know there's I mean? like, like, it's like there's an Andy Kaufman-esque quality yeah. to where it's like. Um, very self-aware. Very and, self-aware and very yeah. layered to the point yeah. where it's like, it go, you know, it stops being funny and then it gets to the point where it's funny again, you know? Um, but so yeah, shout out to uh, Sean and, and that for making those cool t-shirts designs. Yes, and check us out, you know, um, or tell your friend, check us out on Instagram video underscore vampires yeah, tell your friends go on itunes and uh you know give us a few stars because apparently that makes a difference does it yeah when we when rate we, us bitches yeah you don't have to write anything just rate us yeah you know? five stars yeah please. yeah unless we unless we really do you think we deserve force i think consider it like a lift i ride. think we deserve five. i think so too it's like a lift ride like when do you never you never not give somebody five stars unless they're really fucking bad yeah exactly and we're not so yeah we're awesome and uh <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway that that'll be our episode 20 uh again an episode i was very excited about and uh yeah see yeah. you guys soon see after you guys soon. after the birthday after the birthday after yeah. the birthday boy mickey here we'll we'll be back yeah all, all right. right bye bye What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, the tenant... It knows that you know. 
You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. Scared. This could be the night of your life. <laughs> 